Welcome to the ghost gig. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. Hello everybody and welcome to this latest episode of the ghost gig. Hello. Hello. We are dangerously close to actually putting an episode out on time. I mean, who would have thought no, don't it? Don't jinx it. Okay, don't sorry. Jinx it. Before we go for the main show, we have a promo for you and we're going to play that right now. Hey everyone, it's Laura. And I'm Trina Close. I'm Walter. I'm Tanya. And last, and most definitely least, I'm Rick. And we are all from Spooks, Creeps, and Assorted Devilry, a roundtable discussion podcast covering everything from Bigfoot to ghosts, aliens, tulpas, um, time slips, interdimensional travel. You get the idea. But I'm mainly here to drink and make fun of people. Uh, find us where every fine podcast is sold. Uh, you can catch us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, uh, Twitter. You know, all those things. So, thanks. So that was the Spooks, Creeps and Assorted Devilry podcast. Be sure to check them out on your favourite podcast platform. So here to the to the show, to the show, yeah. <laughs> to the show. Um, we have a guest again um, in the studio today and it's my mum again. Yeah, because I was so popular. You were. Last you were. Well, we actually, you were. We actually You're did get. You're more popular than we are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so we have to have you back. Yeah. Plus you watched the film with us. So, yeah, you, you know, did. I made you watch it actually. You, you did. didn't make you us did. watch it. We all we all rolled in from the Jubilee party. <laughs> and you were like, I should watch a horror film. <laughs> and none of us objected. Yeah. Because um, we're all cool. We are. Um, so we watched The Innocence, which has been retold many and many a time, but we watched the original um, film. 1961. 1961. What were your thoughts? He was asleep most of the time. Well, I, I was awake. I was awake for most of it, actually. Resting your I did eyes. very well. It was a very long day. <laughs> All right, well, what we usually do, and I've forgotten this, it's my own podcast, and I've forgotten, we usually give a little overview so it's a it's a story of a governess who comes to look after two children, two orphans, um, and the house is basically haunted by the previous governess, I would say, mm-hmm. um, and the children themselves are pretty creepy, um, and sort of events unfold from there, I would you say. You should probably say as well that it was based on Henry James's novella, The Turn, Turn of, of the, the Screw. Screw, yes. Um, and there have been many, many different dramatizations of this, um, but this was the original film, filmed at Sheffield Park, which is not far from here. Yeah, yeah, true, say. true. Yeah, excitedly, excitedly noticed by me. Yes, yes, yes. It and was. We, it was Sheffield Park. I'm like, because <laughs> <laughs> um, all had a lot of prosecco. No more trifle. <laughs> It was good trifle. It was good trifle. Well, you, uh, why am I saying that? It I was very good it. trifle. I didn't eat it. It was more memorable. about the trifle later. Yes. <laughs> so what did you think of the film? Anyone? Well, I think I shouldn't start because I saw it many years okay. ago. And Fair I think enough. To get fresh perspective. I, I, um, at first I was thinking, is this going to be another thing a bit like The Haunting with lots of um, monologues, monologues and... but. And it started off like that. You did like mention that. that as it started. I was like, and then oh, you, God. you were saying, oh, there's going to be a monologue. And then she started a monologue. And I think it actually was the only one. It was the only one. 
Spooky though. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, spooky. Very well, very spooky well over. You predicted it. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it was good, but a spook, a very spooky start. Um, I know the story very, very well, so I knew exactly what was going to happen. But I really, really enjoyed it, and I found it a lot scarier than the haunting. I think because you got the creepy kids thrown in with the mix here, which is always makes which things... was the turn, the another turn of the screw. Exactly. I wasn't actually trying to compare it to the haunting when I was. I wasn't watching. trying to, but I automatically did. No, that's fair it's, enough. It's I suppose. it's a, what a year before the haunt the, the, the a haunting. Couple of years, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. and a similar you know haunted also house again, in black and white. Also in black and white. But also just in the wake of Psycho, to most people audiences' yes. perception, yes, it would have still been playing at the cinema mm. you know the week yeah. earlier or whatever. So so. Yes, I found it. It was pretty, well, <laughs> it was pretty haunting, I thought. Mm. Aha! <laughs> the acting was very good. You did have a bit of a jump scare. I did, it, it did. It, yeah, yeah. There was a couple of moments where it's, so that it's the, the house is haunted by the gov, the old governess and the old valet. Old valet. Um, and there are times where these faces just appear at the window, the classic face at the window thing, but it was so well done and it really made me jump. It really, you know, Ooh, made me do that. Did you realise that throughout the whole film, the actual sort of paranormal appearances are about four? Yes, that was it's it. very few. Well, that you, less a, is more, isn't it? It's exactly. absolutely a slow burn. But also what I realised was really brave is that a lot of the scary things actually happened during the daylight. Yes. Which I know is partly because they couldn't easily yes. film at night back then without it coming out mm-hmm. murky. But it's really brave to try and do a horror film in the broad daylight. And it wasn't, yeah. you know, grim. It's Bright daylight. Interestingly, if you read the novella, which mm. I have been doing again, um, it starts off by the governess expecting the house to be really dark. Mm-hmm. And okay. when she gets okay. there, she's surprised by how cheerful and... Did they not of... say that in the, there was, in the film? I think she says that, didn't she? No, we, we, imagining watched, that? we watched that um, oh, extra yeah. bit yeah. afterwards. This shows my state of sort of consciousness after a long day with on the Prosecco and being tired. So, yes, yeah, so we did then watch a little documentary about it afterwards. The documentary was really good. Yeah. Well, actually, we also watched a short film that was on the same disc. I didn't take um, any of that in. I really enjoyed that. No. Um, that was much more story. arty, wasn't it? Wasn't, it? Yes, it was, but I enjoyed the story a lot. Mm. Anyway, completely irrelevant to what we're talking about. <laughs> it, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> I that was a Seeing, great story. Being it, being, once we realised it was Sheffield Park, and then sort of recognised it, even though it was from the 1960-whatever, but it was interesting seeing a place that I ran around as a kid, you know? Yeah. Oh, you went around as a kid? Quite, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, realise yeah. that was the excitement yeah. there. I just thought, oh, yeah. Yeah, where is Sheffield Park? Great. Not in Sheffield. No, no it's not. It's... Uh, it's at Sheffield Park. Yeah, which is sorry, in where? Sussex. Sussex. So yeah. we're in we're in Kent now. So it's about what twenty minute drive from here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it's, what I'm it's saying. Near where the Blue Bell Railway is. Okay. okay. Well, I've been okay. to that quite a lot. Yeah. But yeah, sort of. You're right, Vince. You know, ghosts so appearing cool. in bright sunlight. You know, it's just not what you're used to. You're used to. You wouldn't find many horror films doing that now and yeah. pulling it off. And there well, are so. there are you know the dark shadowy moments when they come out of the dark. There is all that, but then yeah, they do also appear. Which makes you feel a little unsafe. You're like, you know, when you watch a horror film and you're like, oh, thank God we're back in the daylight now. Nothing can happen. A bit like yes. when the lights go up and yeah. the woman in black. Mm. But actually in this film, you haven't got that security because no, they can haven't. just appear at any time. Interestingly, um, reading the novella, um, and I haven't got all the way through it. Now, Henry James's writing style is very um, wordy, shall we say. Okay, okay. Um, and one of the things that they said, I think, in that uh, documentary was that they had to cr- recreate the feeling he gives with his words with the way they filmed it. Um, and oh. there is one scene 
in in the film mm. which I read and it's the scene where she goes into the room where she's gone to find something and Miss Jessel is sitting at the yeah. desk. That is that I remember that bit, one of the newer Yeah. Um, um and the description, Henry James the way Henry James writes that, honestly, it's like somebody running yeah. their finger down your spine. Yeah. Um, you know, you get that feeling because of course there was no um electric light or mm-hmm. even so, you know, she, it was a it was a Sunday morning, she mm. goes in but um she's just got a candle because it's dark in there. Yes. Really brilliantly written. Yes. Your explanation there does make sense because I do feel that some of the imagery is it's if it's dense writing, I would say it was yeah. busy imagery, not um, indistinct. But they, <clears> they weren't using the like Nosferatu style of, you know, ultra darks and ultra whites. and all. It, was, no. it was a very dense, rich image most of the time on yes. screen. The guns, especially, because yes. they're probably very mm. elaborate. I haven't been there, but I imagine they are. Yeah, yes. And that does translate quite well, I think. But yes. I did not know that. And I do think as well that if you've got a very rich source material, it translates into a better film than... Yeah. Quite often, if you've got a film that has been written to be a film, mm. it can be, I mean, not in all cases, obviously, no, no. but it can be quite sort of um, blank in a way. You know, they, they haven't got all the all the stuff behind it, all the writing and yes. all the thought about it. No, that makes sense, because there was, yeah, as we said, dense imagery, but the, the sound design was quite on point as well. Everyone clearly mm. knew what they were doing really well, which shouldn't yeah. be a... It had a, a point huge point budget out, for the time. And it shows. Yeah. Because there's, there's the really nice touches in the sound design as well, which mm. is probably for the era not something you'd look at, but mm. there's really nice touches where as soon as Quint, the valet, appears on screen, birdsong stops always. Yes. It's yeah. just all of the sound goes. And he was he, so he just creepy soaks looking. up sound. And he is quite thing, They always say, oh, he's such a handsome face. I'm like, no, he hasn't. Well, maybe when he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> but in every, every... He must have been charming every, or maybe she was just very lonely. Every reimagining I've seen, it's always such a handsome... You know, Mrs. Gross, oh, such a handsome face. I'm thinking, he bloody hasn't. Mm-hmm. Bloody weird looking. In all yeah. of them. Well, it was Peter Wingard, wasn't it, who went on, I can't remember what... He was in some series in later life. I can't remember what it was, but he was a sort of handsome rogue in that as mm. well. Oh. But I always thought he was creepy too. <laughs> Clearly, and, there, and I have to say, there is nothing creepier than an overly polite child. Oh no, well, that, oh, that's that's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. The, the, the children in that are absolutely yes. the centerpiece. They are yeah. terrifying. Oh, boy, especially actually. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And actually, every every version I've seen of it, apart from maybe the Netflix one, um, <laughs> the kids have been outstanding. Mm. Um, the Netflix one, I wasn't so keen. Yeah. but we were talking about that but um, yeah and especially the kid and the boy in the one we watched was, was on point I thought yeah so I want to give you a bit of um, a feel of what it was like for me to watch it when I was okay. about 12 okay okay, so, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, a bit like taking a 12 year old to see the woman in black in the theatre mum Maybe? Yeah, who would do that? Oh, I don't know that would be a bit cruel, sinister, cruel, wouldn't cruel it? mother would do yeah. that to a child anyway continue so it came out in 61, okay, yeah. so I would have been a small child when it came out, so yeah. I can't have seen it in the pictures. Yeah. So I must have seen it on the telly, and I don't know when they started putting films on the telly, but um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing I must have been about 10 or 12. Yeah. And probably, I don't suppose there was any indication of what sort of film it was going to be. Yeah. <clears throat> And my mother probably just sat there smoking and thought, oh, you know, <laughs> stick her in front of Tally. Yeah. We'll, uh, 
Did she sound like that? No, no, she, no, she, no she had a cockney accent. She was from London. <laughs> so basically, I remember sitting there, and they may even have gone to bed before me. I can't remember, yeah. but I remember thinking. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's an 12. appropriate yeah. response. It was the first horror film I'd seen, I think. Uh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. maybe I'd seen a few Hammers, mm. but they're very hammy. Are, are hammy. Yeah, hammy. yeah. yeah. And that, well, at least um, most of them are. Yeah, mm, they are. Sure. But this is just so understated, and I remember going to bed and just lying there, thinking, "Oh God, I'm just terrified." Um, I may even have slept with my mother. Yeah, well, I don't blame That's you. That's fair. Um, if you've not seen anything like that before. And, it, and I remember the bit where Miss Jessel appears on the other side of the lake. Yeah. And just thinking, well, I it, don't ever want that to it, it, no, it, no. It, it really, there was a couple of moments. And, yeah. you know, obviously we've watched hundreds of horror films now and, you know, we're a bit spoiled for, you know. Yeah, and exactly. it made There me, weren't that many around. It, but it oh, made no. me really, you know. Yeah. As I so said. I've seen it probably three or four times in my life, I mm. should think. Um, and you've seen that version before as well. Yes, a long little. time ago. I didn't remember that. Um, but watching it this time and watching it more analytically, I certainly didn't get when I was a child the whole sort of um, paedophile side No, that's, that's that very was odd. one of the most um, disturbing mm. elements of it. And it's not initiated by the governess. No, it's no, no, there no. Is so initiated it, by the child. By the little boy. Oh, my God. Oh, so that, and I think, was the most terrifying this part. This is not shown. Because he's really convincing acting yeah. as an adult, mm. isn't he? This is, this is not shown in the later versions for obvious reasons, I think. It's well, just it's too uncomfortable. It's not in the book. Yeah. This is something... And and then again for 1961 for them to put that in there was mm. quite groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so that makes you feel incredibly awkward. Yeah, more than the it, you know. It really, really Cause, was cause because it, he's maybe he's possessed. Yes, or maybe as he's well as not. being haunted. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, we'd all recommend people watching it if they hadn't. I would, I would guess mm. we'd all recommend it to people. And it's quite stylized, isn't yeah. it? But it's, it is. I, 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 I know it's, I'm sorry to keep going back to the haunting, but, you know, it, I thought it was so much better. Mm. I really did. Um, maybe I'm biased because it's a British thing. I don't know. But it, I just thought... I think it it's was, a very different kind of film. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's trying to be, uh, you know, this whole set piece thing. Which it's just, true, like, they're they both put... black and white. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it was, you know, it started off for me, you know, it started off, okay, haunted house, monologue. But no, it, it just, it just, I was really great. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say, and I'm not going to burst into song, you'll be glad to you hear. Can you, you can if you want. want. The ghost well, I it's think fine. we're okay with it. No, no We will later. <laughs> it's fine. Um, what I will say about the song was that it was specially composed for it. Okay, might make sense. Um, and you hear it repeatedly. You hear it at the beginning, yeah. sung by a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same tune on the music box. Um, and it, I think, is a very spooky song. And I did get an earworm from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I looked it up on YouTube. Yeah. And there is a very spooky version of it. In fact, it's the same. It's pretty much the same as the one that you see on the film. Anyway, I've had to learn it because... That Do I you could... want to sing it? Because no, I'm not going to well, sing Well, Vince it. and I both have a song. So, no, you know, we, you're yeah. fine. No, okay, you sure? You're fine. Okay. Okay. Well, are we fine? We're fine? I don't. I don't know if I'm fine. But of course, there is. Um, you think of a film like the film like The Others, where it's echoed because you've got. It's the same tune, yeah. is yeah. it? Yeah. Really? Oh, it's the same tune. <laughs> no, sorry, that was another thing I wanted to say. Um, the Others and several 
well, especially the others. The others and several others. <laughs> um, <laughs> harks back to the innocent. Oh, that's so nice cool. It's nice they're making a direct reference. Yeah. I like that. There's, there's this, the song is called Oh, oh Willow Whaley. Okay. Um, and you will find it's the same tune. Oh, that's awesome. And also they use it in um, The Haunting of Blind Manor. Oh. On Netflix. Well, that I mean that would make sense because it's the same story, but mm. I didn't know it was the others as well. Mm. And the others is one of, well, you need to re- we need to review the others. Probably one of my favourite films. Well, you know, it's the Nicole Kidman thing. It was the same era as Moulin Rouge. <laughs> so I obviously got completely obsessed can, with I it. I can rewatch that. But That's it is fine. a bloody good film, isn't it? It is. Um, just before we play the song, um, I will say that I watched the others when I was twelve with my mum and my best mate, and um, we <laughs> we watched it. And then um, afterwards, I said. Let's all laugh and, and enjoy ourselves now so we're not so scared. And you were both next to me on the sofa by the end Crammed of in, yeah. Wow. Such a good thing. Yeah, we should definitely review the others. I mean, I don't even need to watch it. I could write a review now. Um, so, yeah, watch the watch the instance, absolutely. We won't give away the ending because um, there is a little... There is a no, the ending the is spectacular, yeah. though. Um, so if you've not good. seen it, do give it a watch. Um, and I would say there's there's been a couple of films since it that have been pretty good as well. Not such a fan of the, the Blind Manor on Netflix myself, but, yeah. but the, yeah. It just rambles on and on, doesn't yeah. it? Was a, yeah, it dragged. You've only seen one episode and you were like, meh. <laughs> yeah. But Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, absolutely. Blind Manor, not so fast. Yeah. That um, seems fair. Cool. Yeah. Uh, right, Vince, do you want to play your song about the innocence? I, I suppose we could play my song. Okay. This is Tortoise Lobs. And, and not a spoiler alert. No. There is a tortoise in it, but at no point is it. does anybody no. say that's a really hard pie. Uh-huh. No, no, they don't. And the tortoise is called Rupert. Play the song. I guess we don't know if she's crazy It gives a story and ending a different meaning The ghosts are will fall as menacing And childhood brainwashing manipulating What do you do when you're haunted by pervy ghosts? Could not the governess, what's there to lose? Tortoise loves disturbing adult lip locks. Tortoise loves disturbing adult lip locks. Tortoise loves disturbing adult lip locks. Against her children, Miss Giddens is more innocent She doesn't understand childhood or adult relationships When given the job, she doesn't seem to trust herself Enamored by the childhood sweetness imbued with malice What do you do when you're haunted by pervy ghosts? Could not the governess, what's there to lose? Tortoise lobs, disturbing adult lip locks. Tortoise lobs, disturbing adult lip locks. Tortoise lobs, disturbing adult lip locks. Lens 
Voices obscure the outside of the screen Screeches like screams But silent birdsong and quint appears Slow dissolves Make for ghostly superpositions It's calibrated And claustrophobic What do you do when you're haunted by pervy ghosts? Could not the governess, what's there to lose? Tortoise loves disturbing adult lip locks. Tortoise loves disturbing adult lip locks. Tortoise loves disturbing adult lip locks. So that's that one. I feel like you've really captured the vibe of the film there. Yeah. yeah. I was going for orchestra, but broken. So most of the well, sounds you hear there are actually like yeah. a Mellotron sound, which is like a really shitty 60s organ. Yeah. That we use tapes in it. So there's orchestra sounds, uh-huh. but degraded and a bit crappy. Yeah. And I thought that, that sort of shattered Eden sound, that's how I envisaged it as a, as a noise, yeah. as a sound. would be orchestra, yeah. but broken. Well, I, I went I, for the... I admire your creativity. <laughs> <laughs> I went for the vibe of the film too, so I you did. naturally wrote a Scar song. Yes. <laughs> yes, you embraced it fully. <laughs> Shall we hear Keep Turning? Keep Turning. Hey, kids. Are you ready to play? Hear me out. Wanted to write a song from the perspective of the ghost. 
Which ghost? Well, more Quint. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. And I thought for some reason that if Quint had been around a bit later, he would have been a bit of a Jack the Lad kind of, you know, thinking sort of okay, when he falls okay. on horses, slash that kind of madness vibe. And I wanted to do something totally darker, totally different to the last song. Hi, everyone. Hello. Um, apologies about that. Um, well, no, no, they, they don't want apologising for it yet. Well, we're apologising because it's clearly just cut off in a random space. That's why we now sound different. Yes. Um, we did record the entire episode with my mum and then mysteriously the microphone just stopped recording halfway through. Yeah, without any like clue that it was doing so or the lights were still on telling us it was recording. It just, you Creepy. Know, it just... Didn't we've clearly got a ghost? So if anyone knows how to shout a, a Zoom H five, I can shout at a Zoom H five. I don't know if it'll do if any good. If anyone knows how to shout at a Zoom H five that will make it work properly, then maybe maybe we'll be, we'll be okay and everything will be safe. Anyway, so um, we've got to do this bit without my mum, unfortunately. So big thank you for her to coming on. Absolutely, um, thank you. And she made some marvelous jokes and told some very funny stories. But you guys want to have a hear it? Um, but we did. We did. So it wasn't a complete waste. Yeah, we heard all about her haunted slippers. And... We did. <laughs> you know what? That just means she can do it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe we can get some more appropriate like backing music for her slipper story. I don't know what that'll be. Maybe. But, These slippers know, we... were made for walking. And you know, that's you know, what we, we what have that ghostly do. noise. We can probably have something else. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I just feel like this. What, like some, the... some slippers require a distinct sonic footprint. Oh, uh, I was thinking more the... Um, um, I thought, Sorry, I, was I thought I was being clever. I've just got back from work. I was thinking more that that one. Oh, okay, the Benny Hill music. Yeah, it's a very different tone. You know what? Maybe let's just see how it, see how it plays out anyway. whenever the story next yeah. gets recited. Um, so this is a day later. Um, and so we're just going to do it the two of us. Yeah. Um, you can just imagine Alice's mum interjecting with in really smart, sharp quips. Exactly. And us just going, oh, okay. Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm sorry. Anyway, so as you may have remember, and do you remember Vince? Do you remember last week's I episode? I remember patches of it. Okay, good. I like the face you pulled when you said that. I uh, yeah, it's good that this isn't a video podcast, <laughs> isn't it? You would turn right off. I'm joking. So for those, it's okay, she's not joking. For those of you who need need a little reminder, last week we heard all about um, Nandor Fordor and his investigation. Well, the start of his investigation into the Thornton Heath um, haunting. Of Alma Fielding. And uh, Nandor had just read about all all about this family in the newspaper who are being haunted by this poltergeist. And he has shown an interest in the case. He wants to get involved and basically be the one to find the ghost. Yeah, yeah. And then Alice left us at a big cliffhanger. I mean, is he going to find a ghost? Is he not going to find a ghost? Do you want to hear if he finds a ghost? I do want to hear. About that cheeky Nandor? Uh, you know, you know what? The first time around when we did this, it, it was quite a long time before we mentioned it. Yeah. We, we were really restrained. Well, and now it, I think it's probably the warm weather. Mum started talking um, about chicken shops, and I was like, "What? <laughs> what?" And she was like, "Oh my god, Alice Nandor." So yeah, I promise we're going to keep mentioning things that you will never hear, just to make you feel bad yeah. and make you feel left out. So cheeky Nandor and the haunting of Alma Fielding, part two. Are you ready? Yes. So, naturally, the newspaper said yes to Nandor and said he could indeed comment on the case. So, Nandor then sends his assistant round to the Fielding household. And the assistant wants to make just a general sweep of the place and to see what he can find, see how he feels, how he can kind of size the place up. And he wrote a report um, after visiting the house. 
and this is what he wrote. This was my first experience in the house. Whilst I was upstairs, two loud crashes came from the front room. I ran downstairs and there a large glass salad bowl lay in pieces in the fireplace and a wine glass lay broken on the sideboard. Alma gave me an estimate of the number of breakages and damages in the house. Within the last three days, they included the following. Deep breath. (gasps) Okay, prepared. Prepared. 36 tumblers, 36 wine glasses, 15 egg cups. Freaking eggs. (laughs) The ghost loves eggs. Five teacups, four saucers, one salad bowl, three bulbs, nine eggs, two plates, one pudding basin, two vases, one water jug, <gasps> one jar of face cream. How random that's it. face cream? That's it, yeah. That, that, if you remember, that that was one of the first things to be chucked across the room in the first episode. I do now, yes. Okay. I believe it was chucked at um, their son's head. Or the oh. lodger's head, one of yeah, them. Yeah, it was the lodger, wasn't it? Yeah. In addition, one steel saucepan had been weirdly flattened that is to say the sides have been pressed in towards the centre the assistant Ooh. reckons this could have been done by a man but it would have taken a lot of strength Absolutely. a lot of strength he continues that if you've ever got angry at a saucepan it takes a long time to well you know cooking can make people angry as we yeah know. that's true but I have never done that I've never felt the need to do that so he continues after reading through my notes, I felt the sensation of total belief in the ph- phenomena presented at the house, as well as a genuine faith in Mrs. Fielding. I unhesitatingly label this case as supernormal. Supernormal. I love that term, supernormal, because it's not just paranormal, it's supernormal. I think that's cool. <laughs> supernormal Nando. So this poltergeist, you know, loves eggs, loves wine. I mean... Who has 15 wine glasses? I mean, that's, that's, well, that's not pretty impressive. That. No, but that's impress- impressive, I think. I mean, we haven't got 15 wine glasses. We haven't. Ours don't even match. No. They like three they, different they really shapes don't. of them. First, but we just, oh, well. I mean, I'd drink wine out of a mug, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen you do it. So, um, obviously, Nandor was pretty excited by this, you know? It's, it's sounding promising. It's sounding like it really there really is a poltergeist in the house. So he decided he would go and make a visit to the house himself, obviously. Yeah. So he arrived late the next morning to find quite a weary household. And the husband, Les, told Nandor that the family had had very little sleep since the activity had begun the week before. Um, Nandor uh, wrote down a description of Les, calling him straightforward and intelligent. However, also anxious and worried and suffering from overstrain. And Les tells Nandor that that morning a large heavy wardrobe had fallen over, narrowly missing a member of the family and the fieldings were at their wit's end. Alma then took Nandor and showed him all the um, different bits of broken glass and crockery, all the eggs, you know, splattered around the place. Yeah, Um, a lot of eggs. And Nandor had already come prepared, so he brought with him a load of glasses and crockery too, and a lot of egg cups. And a dustpan and and brush. (laughs) Just let me clear up for you. No, he wasn't that helpful, unfortunately. What he did was make more mess. He, He placed stuff around the house. Um, all the glasses and tumblers and stuff and just as he was putting down the final glass something cracked against the door to the living room so they went to have a look and there on the floor lay a broken alarm clock and they had a look at the door which was freshly scarred from the collision so Nandor began to question Alma and he wrote down a description for her too which was intelligent, charming and vivacious vivacious I love that word Mm. Alma was keen to get to the bottom of what was happening so she told Nandor about everything that had happened. Like, remember the six-digit yes. handprint she'd seen? Obviously, all the crockery flying around. 
She'd also heard hush whispering in the kitchen when the house had been empty, apart from herself. And also, their usually really placid dog had stood at the bottom of the stairs, quivering with its hairs on end. So interestingly, Les and Alma had no interest in the paranormal at all. They weren't people to get excited about this sort of thing. And their son Donald had called it a load of bunk. A load of bunk. I like that. I'm going to adopt that. (laughs) You're going to adopt a load of bunk. It's a load of bunk. It's cool. It's really cockney. It's a load of bunk. (laughs) However, despite being all high and mighty about this, Les had actually moved out to a friend's for a few days. So it clearly freaked him out, right? He's all talk. He's all talk. No trousers. All talk, no trousers. Sorry, I'll stop the cockney accent. You won't. (laughs) I won't. Um. So um, after spending time at the house, Nandor collects reports, interviews everybody, and he believes that Alma is the centre of all of this weird activity. He decides that Alma needs to visit the Institute of Psychical Research so they can basically have a good look at her. Okay, yep. So she did so the following day. They don't mess around. Before she arrived, Nandor set up a a seance room um, in readiness for her. He placed around glasses, lit candles and a bulb and placed a rattle around as well. And the room was scrutinized by the lens of a camera. So basically to capture any photos. Um, In the afternoon, in front of a circle of professionals um, and keen amateurs, Alma appeared to bring in a hairbrush and a tin of liver pills into the room. Just make them appear. As you do. As you do. Yeah. Yeah. Liver pills. There we go. Akio hairbrush. I just secrete them from my hairbrush glands. Yes. Yeah. Which we all have. Uh, yeah, I, I just a bit out of practice. Yes. But, you know, like Harry Potter, literally like Akio hairbrush. That's how I like <sighs> to think of it anyway. <sighs> Weary sigh. Yeah. <laughs> so Alma claims that these items had been on her bedroom um, side table. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that was the last Sensible time she saw them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, eyewitnesses confirmed that during this activity, she'd had nothing in her hands. Um, apart from a tea, teacup and saucer that she'd been drinking mm-hmm. um, and her hands were in full view the full time. Okay. So okay. there you go. Um, now, Nando was really, really delighted with these findings, you know, really excited. Um, and he began to write all these findings up. There has been no greater or truer ghost story for many a year. I have always wanted to meet a poltergeist and now I have met one. A poltergeist, which is certainly destructive, yet not malevolent. In fact, to a certain degree, amenable to experimental suggestion. Yeah, I mean, sounds curious. Yeah, yeah. So, Nandor clearly wants more, because he's got the bit between his teeth now. So he goes back to interview Alma again. And this time she goes a bit deeper. And she tells him all about when she was very young, she wanted to be a dancer, she wanted to be a star on stage. Okay. But unfortunately, she had a, a bicycle accident. Which, which she got injured quite badly, and this basically put a stop to any dreams that she had, um, which was a real shame. Another tale she told Nando was that when she was younger, she'd actually lost her sight for three weeks, had gone blind, completely blind, and yet could still see the world around her in a sensory level. Okay. I know. Right. Just, you know, just stay with me. Um, right, okay. So she actually keeps this a secret from all of her family. She doesn't tell anyone that she can't see. Yeah, as you would. As you would. <laughs> um, and she's only found out when she goes to the cinema with her husband and he notices that she's not looking at the screen properly. 
funnily enough, this is how um, I was found out to be short-sighted. You probably don't know this, but I was watching that. You, you, I know you guys can't see me, but my mum noticed when I was little that I was watching the screen with my head on one side, like like a dog looks, you know? You know how a dog looks at a treat? I was watching the TV like that, and that's how they realised I needed glasses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, side note, I can kind of see her in cinema trying or yeah cinema right yeah yeah they would have had said yeah. yeah yeah trying to watch the screen but in her head in the wrong position um so her husband notices this and obviously sort of says you you need to go to see an optician which she does and the optician um agrees that she is blind and gives her a course of drops and it mysteriously clears up but her blindness was confirmed okay so you know odd right okay um another more the part she just didn't tell anyone that seems weird yes really. well yes so if you think that's odd, this one, this next one's even weirder. Um, she also told Nandor that once one night she had a dream where she dreamt her father who'd passed on had come to see her. He didn't speak to her or anything, but he laid his hand on her chest and drew sort of the shape of a cross on her left breast. Oh, okay. When she woke, there was still this shape of the cross on her left breast. She told Les about it and he said, well, you better get yourself to the hospital. She did, and it turned out she had breast cancer. And again, this is apparently all documented. She did indeed have breast cancer, and she had to have the lump removed. Um, and Alma claims that this dream saved her life. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, amazing if it's true. Um, lastly, the last story that Alma told Nandor um, was that of her waking to find a long-faced man climbing out of her wardrobe in the middle of the night and sort of slithering up to her as a child. I mean, that's the most unpleasant one, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's not nice. No. Um, Anyway, so Alma tells Nanda all these weird, bizarre tales. And it's clear to him that she's leading the life of someone who is crying out for mental escape. She's a strong, young, imaginative woman who dreamed of a life on the stage. But instead, she's ended up an ordinary housewife, you know, which is challenging. Mm -hmm. So Alma comes back to the Institute. And Nandor's watching her closely. This time he asks two female members of the Institute to take her to a room where they search her and then give her a jumpsuit to wear just to make sure that she's not hiding anything, you know, under her clothes or anything like that, concealing anything. Um, So they they go ahead with the seance and Alma is producing various objects. um, And there is a few knocks and a few bumps recorded, but Nandor is thinking there's no real evidence of any paranormal activity. So he's getting a bit disappointed. And um, in order to sort of re-encourage the poltergeist back, Nandor decides to take everyone on a trip to the seaside. In, oh, lovely. In Bognor Regis. It's still, it's, it's a nice gesture. While they're in Bognor Regis, um, they're going to Woolworths. And Nandor... Oh, pick a mix. Yeah. Pick a mix, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> and... Um, Alma decides to try on a necklace. Now she tries on this necklace in front of all her friends. They all see her try it on and then hand the necklace back to the shopkeeper. When they come on the on the train on the way home, the necklace reappears around her throat. Convenient. Magical. Magical. I'm sorry, officer, it just magically appeared. Yeah. Well, you know, it always, it's always happening. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So obviously this is really intriguing and the circle are really excited to see what else happens. Um, Alma continues to visit the Institute and she's always searched, she's always given clothes to wear, and yet she's still conjuring up strange objects like nuts, screws, and bolts. Meanwhile, back at the fielding house, things are growing more and more sinister. George, their lodger, one night woke up the entire household by screaming at the top of his lungs. 
Once he'd calmed down, he claimed he'd woken to find Alma standing at the foot of his bed, grinning horribly. But Alma was in bed with me, said Les. You woke us both up with your screaming. Their son Donald, who had come home by now, complained of his bedroom light flicking on and off, and the whole household complained of a sweet, rotten smell that would randomly waft through the rooms from time to time. Alma was now visiting the Institute twice a week and was being paid for her time. Now, Nandor had taken a bit of a backseat on the seances. He was observing more than taking part. And I think he, this was the hope that if she was hoaxing and was going to slip up, she might do more readily if he wasn't scrutinising her, if that makes sense. But Alma's claims and apparent gifts became even more sensational. She started doing things like dreaming the future, dreaming people's cars breaking down and dreaming about chauffeurs that, you know, turned out to be real, that kind of thing. Um, right. Yeah. Well, there, there was an incident where she fell asleep and dreamt um, of a certain chauffeur that she'd seen in the street. And then the chauffeur was questioned a bit later on and he said he had seen Alma in the street when she'd apparently been asleep. You know. Okay. Odd. I know. Right. Uh, Alma was also producing live mice, beetles, and even a terrapin seemingly from thin air. Oh. And uh, just going Terrapins, back to the film that we reviewed, there is a, there was a, a, tortoise, a, a tortoise in it yeah. called Rupert. It was called Rupert. Which You're we right, didn't, yeah. which we didn't say. Now, Nandor is obviously still not convinced and he's visiting local pet shops and antique stores uh, because she's producing necklaces as well um, to see if anyone recognises these items. But no one did. Then Alma steps things up a gear and begins to channel the spirit of a dead artist named Bremba. Right. Bremba. It's definitely whiffing of credibility by this stage, <laughs> isn't it? Bremba was the owner of a pet tiger. And was keen. Of course, Bremba was. <laughs> was keen to um, reassure the circle that this tiger meant Alma no harm. However, Alma keeps finding scratches all over her bodies during these sessions. Nandor rejoins the seances, but Les is more concerned about Alma because she's working so much for the Institute. She becomes very thin and speaks of something feeding on her. However, Nandor is pushing even harder now and doubles her pay, which uh, seems to make Les. Except that she's working there. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Money talks. Also, Nando ha now has the idea that Alma should receive an x-ray every time she goes in to the seance yeah, circle. Okay, fine. Um, he's got this theory that she's actually hiding things up her... Armpits. Up her armpits. No. Up her vagina. And then excusing herself to the bathroom and placing the items around her body to produce during the seance. I see. Now, the first x-ray shows a small heart-shaped object pressed up against her torso. Nandor's alerted, but he keeps quiet. Mm -hmm. In that session, she then produces a heart-shaped locket. Right. Busted. Yeah, unfortunately. Nandor tells the circle, but he doesn't tell Alma. Mm -hmm. So they basically just let her continue. Yeah. Which is a bit shitty, to be honest. Well, um, let's see how she responds. Nandor is fascinated and he, want, he wants to find out if the deceit is kind of, if she knows what she's doing or if this is kind of an unconscious thing she's doing. So I'm not sure you unconsciously repeatedly well, say things about your person like that. He wants to know if it's, if it's all genuinely her being spiteful or, or if it's a kind of cry for attention. He wants to know what it is. But the other members of the group are seriously pissed off because Alma's been lying to them for months, basically. Yep. So the sessions get much smaller. 
that Alma's still producing these weird out objects and channeling Brenda and suffering from tiger attacks because she's none the wiser. There's also a story of her um, getting bitten by a vampire in her home and producing these two bite marks on her neck. Which it just keeps elaborating further and well, further. But I like that we've brought Nandor back to vampires. That feels nice. <laughs> well, these bites um, were apparently uh, examined and they couldn't quite work out where they'd come from. I mean, there yeah, are hun- but- you, there are often vampire bats in Thornton Heath, as we know, but they weren't <laughs> they weren't vampire bat marks apparently. So, who knows? Um, so by now, Nandor is convinced that all the activity at the institute has been a mixture of fraud and Alma's subconscious mind. The activity in the house, however, he still can't explain. Now, this is the interesting part. Sure, she's obviously fraud now. She's obviously hoaxing. Oh, yeah. But what was all that stuff going on in the house before? Because it's kind of not added credibility to any of those yeah. previous happenings, is it? Perhaps the house had been genuine. However, Alma had clearly been inventing things since to keep the investigation going, to keep the focus on herself. Yep. She's a woman who clearly longs for adventure and excitement. And this was the perfect vehicle to carry out these fantasies. So as Alma loses credibility, the circle begins to distance themselves from her. And they implored Nandor that if he was going to publish his findings that he should keep their name out Absolutely. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't drag <laughs> oh, them down. Oh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. And so Nandor feels he hasn't got much left for him in London. Um, despite uncovering the fraud, he was still hopeful of finding a genuine haunted case. So he decides to leave for America. Before he did, though, he sends all his findings to Sigmund Freud. Okay. And Freud writes back actually commending him to okay. say, well done. You know, right. you've done a good job. Okay. And for Nandor, this is a bit of a a, a sort of... Lift after basically being destroyed mentally by the by the Institute of Psychical Research. Um, six months later, before the war breaks out, Nandor sails off to New York, and the Fielding Probably family a good move there. Yeah, really. yeah, and the Fielding family moved to Devon, where they all volunteer for the war effort. Um, just after the war, the Institute for Psychical Research closes its door for good. Right. Okay. Um, which is a shame because that would have been a cool thing to. I still have around, but we don't because it's involved in so many cases like the, the Battersea Poltergeist and the Infant Haunting. So many cases we've heard of it was involved with. So I think it's sad it's not around anymore. But I'm sure there are people filling that uh, yeah, function anyway. Yeah, probably. So, so In whatever capacity. That yeah. really is the end of the case. Even though it was a very strange case and was proven largely to be false. There's yeah, still, that's a shame because I kind of spotted it. Well, out. but there's still many events within it that are completely unexplained. So that's yeah, early, down to the individual. On, there is some nice things. Yes. That... The stuff that happens in the house early, early on is very, very odd. Absolutely. And I like to think it maybe started genuinely and then... Got out of hand. Yeah. The, the poor, the woman wanted attention, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I know how she feels. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. If I start banging stuff around and uh, producing mice from my sleeves. You thought I was going to say something else then, didn't I you? I did, yeah. <laughs> banging about. Well, we know your next song is going to have banging about about. Banging about, yeah. Um, well, that was it. So, you know, it's it's a, it's a bizarre one, really, isn't it? Yeah, that is a different kind of tact what we usually go for. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. And um, when we posted about the last episodes, um, a few people made me aware that there's actually a film about Nandor Fodor coming out with Simon Ooh. Pegg. Um, Sold. It's about another case of his um, entitled The Talking Mongoose. Great. Yeah. So 
Well, we can't review that for this. Well, it's coming out next year, Unless so we'd have a job. retool what our whole podcast yes, is about. Yes, but I'm sure we will be looking forward we'll to watching watch that next it. year. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That is, I mean, that's a very watered, shortened version of, of the case. It's I, very I, I interesting. If you want to hear more about it, definitely read the book, The Haunting of Alma Fielding. Um, and I got a lot of this information from the Dark Histories podcast. Okay. So if you okay. want to hear more info on Nandal's background, Alma's background, the general time, because obviously it was just before the war, so the general history of the time, have a listen to that episode. Um, Dark Histories podcast, The Haunting of Alma Fielding and Nandor Fodor. Very interesting. Mm, okay. um, yeah, that that's all for now, guys. And um, I think we have agreed um, our next episode will be out in a month. Yes. Because we're, we are... going to, like, actually planning to do yes. it in a month rather than it ends up being a month. And the, sim- just, the simple, well, the simple reason is we are going on a summer holiday. Yeah, the next month's quite busy. Yeah. So um, we just, we don't want to be... Rather busy. than disappoint you. Mm. And in two weeks you go, well, where is it? And we're going, oh, it's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're <laughs> just trying to, you know, run around. Run around. <laughs> That's how we make our podcast. We run around. Sometimes. <laughs> Again. You're not always in when I'm recording. Sometimes I run around the room. You do, you do. I don't run very far because it's not very big. No. You know, I try. Just splat against the wall and I just carry on talking. Like, oh, he's fine. Carry on. You just keep watching Corey. It's all good. There is nothing wrong with Coronation Street. What's happening? Oh, he's creating. Yeah. Anyway, um, we hope you're all enjoying the lovely sunny weather in the UK. It's very hot at the moment, which is bloody rare. So we're enjoying it. It is rare. It won't last. It won't last. Um, Hope you're having a lovely summer wherever you may be in the world or a lovely winter. Because some of you oh, are, we'll just be, be less winter. specific about time and just say, hope you're all doing well. I'm just rambling now. You are, but that's okay. Um, so okay, we, we, we will speak to you all. Hopefully we'll get out a What Were You Thinking video. But we will speak to you we all will. in about a month. Thank you very much for listening. You can contact us in the usual way. Um, you can email us at ghostgeekuk at gmail.com. That is ghostgeekuk at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. All the usual places, yeah. Thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>